It might feel like the 2013 MLS season ended just days ago. And just like that, we are days away from the 2014 MLS season. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. How you surviving Polar Vortex Part 2? Doing pretty well, Garrett. I mean, it's, uh, you know, a big snowstorm just hit here and it's freezing cold, but we're used to it over here at the East Coast. You know, this is Jan- this is a G- this is typical January for us. It's not it's a little maybe a little colder than some past years, but you know, we're we're making do. We're we're used to it over here. I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, I'm already working on my tan. I, I just I, I don't get how you guys can handle the cold for that long, Ivis. How do you do it? Well, we're we're used to it. It's not cold in the house. It's not like we live in the neighborhood. And let's be honest, you know you don't tan. That's that's true. I do burn pretty quickly. That's that's a ginger thing, though. I'm sure every ginger listening to the show can uh, agree with me on that. You should spray tan. Uh, he, um, no, no. Yeah, you definitely have. Based on your hesitation, I think you. Definitely spray <laughs> I, I was tan I was going to tell a story, but but to save my any any respect that I still have on this show, I'll, I'll not tell that story. Um, <laughs> you know what? I have seen you with a tan. Now that I think about it, I think when you were the wake doing that wakeboard instructor yeah. thing, I, I thought that picture of you where you look like a young Richard Branson. You had a tan then. Okay, okay, okay. Since since you okay since you referenced the Bahamas, <laughs> what what it was was I went there. My mom gave me this like bottle of sun in, and you sprayed in your hair, and your hair gets blonde. So I did do that, but no spray tans though. <laughs> but no, you you were actually tan. Yeah, well, that I was just natural. So you, though. you basically you have to you have to be on a, a, a Caribbean island for like months, and yeah. then you can. Well, that's what it. Well, what happened was I got tan like you know within like a month and a half. Then I stopped putting sunscreen on. So. I mean, I probably have cancer now, but I looked good. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I looked really good. Yeah, I don't know how you survived that. <laughs> I, I probably don't. Uh, I mean, please, I live in Arizona. It's sunny every day. I mean, ton- well, you know what? We don't need to talk about bad things because we need to talk about good things, Ivis. There's tons of uh, things that we need to talk about on today's show. I- as we just mentioned, perhaps the-, the thing that you and I are most excited about is MLS preseason, the 2014 season. I mean, it's crazy to think, Ivis. We talk about this all the time. It's approaching very quickly. And just like that, this weekend, a handful of teams are reporting. I mean, the offseason, man, the draft was just last week. I love it. It's, it's going to be great to see all the teams back in action this weekend. I don't know if I use the word excited to talk about preseason. Uh, for me, I think it's just more of a, a marker to let us know that the regular season is just around the corner. Uh, you know, obviously the players, they have to report. They have to have their, phys- their physicals. They'll meet their new coaches, new teammates. So it's all the ball just gets rolling back again. And uh, I think the real excitement will start hitting when you get to about a week before the start of the season. Uh, when, they, when the teams play those final preseason games, that's when it's really going to kind of hit home that mm-hmm. here we are. It's time to strap it up and get get going again. And, and most of the teams do. I mean, we have the next. We have all February to talk about this. And, and you're right. I mean, when when preseason ends at the end of February, I mean, about a week later the season starts. So just like that, I mean, there's going to be no break uh, before the season starts. Ivis, you just mentioned it. Players meeting the coaches and all of that. As we just said last week was the MLS draft. Earlier this week was the third in fourth rounds. You covered it for SoccerByIvis.net. When you look at the draft, teams in the third and fourth round, what did you take away from, from, from those rounds this past week? Well, you know, based off of, for those who you remember, based off the first couple of rounds, uh, the Philadelphia Union came away win, big winners for me, and, and Portland Timbers were one of the teams that are big winners. And those two teams, I thought, really picked up where they left off, especially the Union. And uh, the thing with the Union is they, they went into the draft with the most picks, they had, you know, I think it was like four picks in the top 26 or something like that. And so they were positioned to do well, but they still had to actually make make it happen, make the magic happen, mm-hmm. draft talent. 
And I know, and I know some people will say, well, we won't know for sure how it works or how these picks pan out until years later. Yes, we get that. But when you want to rate them based on the value that these players had coming into the draft, and, you know, let's face it, there's only certain places that really actually have a clue about these college players, SBI being one of those places. Mm-hmm. Based on our rankings, based on my rankings, Philadelphia cleaned up. First day and second day. The first day, as we've covered, you know, they landed uh, four players that could all make their team. Uh, the first three players, uh, you know, could all project to end up being starters one day. But on the second day, they added some quality. They added, you know, a center back in Richie Marquez, who, while he may be a project, there's some serious upside there. Uh, and then they added some some skilled midfielders later on, and Alex Sweden, Aiden Quinn, and Luca Jimenez uh, from Wake Forest. You know, all guys that you know what may, maybe they they do or don't make the team, but you know they they had accomplished college careers, and and coming into the draft, coming into the combine, they were really highly rated. So I thought Philadelphia did a good job there. I thought Portland uh, had some real steals in the last round, in the fourth round, grabbing Victor Chavez from UCLA. Nikita Kotloff from Indiana. Kotloff, especially for me, a player who after his junior year. I had him projected as a first-round value, uh, just as a really uh, skilled left left winger, good left foot, could take people on. Senior year, he had a down year, no doubt about it, uh, so he fell off the radar, didn't have a good combine, so people kind of forgot about him. And But you know what? I'll tell you what, going to Portland, uh, playing for a coach like Caleb Porter, who can, who can really try to get the most out of him, I think he could absolutely make that team and be a bit of a surprise. So those teams did well. And then you have the Vancouver Whitecaps, mm-hmm. who, as we all know, had the messy situation with number seven overall pick Andre Lewis. Um, for those of you who who missed it, it seems like that situation's been resolved temporarily with Vancouver bringing Lewis in on a loan from the New York Cosmos. The Cosmos have Lewis's rights, but at the same time, for, uh, NA, NASL has limits on foreign players per team. Uh, the Cosmos have a ton of foreign players. Lewis didn't really isn't really someone they project to play mm-hmm. for them much, if at all. So it works out. They they can lo- loan him to Vancouver. Vancouver and MLS can save some face. And if he works out, if he looks good for them, if he plays well for them, all of a sudden, you know, maybe the, the Whitecaps slash MLS will buy Lewis from the Cosmos. And uh, But getting back to the Whitecaps, with or without Lewis, I thought they had a good draft. I thought they won. They did well. Uh, Christian Dean's great, uh, big upside. Mamadou Diouf could be one of the steals of the first day. But then on the second day, I thought they added a few talents as well. Michael Kofari, D-Mid. Uh, Mackenzie Pridham, big Canadian forward. So overall, I thought they had a good draft. Obviously, the Andre Lewis situation is messy, but as I've said before, that was more the league dropping the ball than the Whitecaps dropping the ball. I know some people might not want to believe that, but that's mm-hmm. pretty much how it went down. So for me, those those te- those three teams stood out for me. Uh, as far as teams that did not do well, who do you think had a poor draft? Uh, well, you know, when you want to rate drafts, you kind of rate not only the picks that that teams make, but what teams do with their draft picks or what they did with their draft picks. Obviously, some teams traded away their draft picks. And when you think about Chivas USA, a team that had a horrendous 2013 season, they should have had the number two pick in the draft. But but what happened? They traded that pick for Gabe Farfan, Gabriel Farfan. So the Philadelphia Union, uh, Farfan really is just a squad player. He's not someone who's a star. Uh, for them, he really didn't, you know, wasn't a, a big player for Chivas when he went over there. And what happens? Philadelphia takes that number two pick, parlays it into num, uh, into turns it into what ended up being number one pick, uh, Andre Blake, mm-hmm. and that's huge. So Chivas lost out on that. So for me, that combined with some, you know, not so amazing picks that they did have, and I thought they, I thought they missed out. And the New York Red Bulls for me, 
uh, when you think about they they traded away they they traded out of the first round to get go get Bobby Conby, a player who let's face it he's bounced around the league he hasn't been able to uh, you know settle anywhere he has this bit of a reputation of being a bit of a you know whether it's a locker room cancer or a hothead or or, or not so much hothead but he just doesn't fit well with teams he's been around he's been around a bunch of time a bunch of different teams so at a certain point you ask yourself is he worth the trouble and obviously Mike Petke thinks so. I believe they played together, you know, years ago. So I'm sure from Pecky's standpoint, he feels he feel like he feels like he knows him. He feels like he can bring the best out of Convy, as I'm sure every coach that's ever brought Convy to his team thinks. But for me, I think that combined with the in the selection of Chris Duvall in the second round, which I thought was reach number 22 overall. For me, the Red Bulls, I, I don't think they got great value out of their draft picks at all. Uh, the LA Galaxy, Los Angeles Galaxy, excuse me, they traded, well, they passed on their fourth round pick. What would you make of that, Ivis? Uh, well, you know what? For me, I know I know people wondered why they did that, and for me, I thought it was I thought it was poor form. But at the end of the day, the league allows teams to do that. And the thing is, it, it's that's always been more of a case of a uh, when when there was a supplemental draft or when the draft was was longer. So why would a team do that? Basically, it boils down to this: if you draft a player, you have to bring them the preseason. The Galaxy already have a stacked card of players that they're going to bring the preseason. Not only on their roster, they have homegrown players that they're about to sign. They're they're already kind of filled to the brim with players for next year. So, uh, the, you know, they they fig, you know they looked they did the math and they figured you know what if we don't like anyone we don't see if we don't see anyone that we rate worth worth bringing into the camp we're not going to use the pick and I so I I understand that I get that I'm not going to knock them for that. I will, however, uh, uh, say that I feel MLS needs to change that rule and make teams use these picks. Um, I mean, this is the draft. This is not the supplemental draft, not a waiver draft. It is the MLS draft. And as long as it's the MLS draft, teams should have to use every single pick. And if you're the Galaxy and if you have to use the pick, then you can, you know what, you can either use it or you can trade it uh, for whatever, you know, a bag of balls, whatever you want to trade it for. But it, it, I just feels like I feel like it hurt, it hurts it hurts to draft a bit when when you just kind of throw away a pick that way. Mm-hmm. But again, I understand why the Galaxy did it. The league has to change the rule. As as far as the teams that are that are in the middle of the draft, Ivis, the teams that you know didn't have particularly a strong draft or particularly didn't have a poor draft, you know maybe some other teams, you know like FC Dallas, Sporting Kansas City. I mean, were there any teams that that shows a player that that you were intrigued by that kind of raised an eyebrow, someone that you might want to pay more attention to heading into the season, maybe a diamond in the rough as what people say? Uh, well, you know, I, I think there there were some values in the draft, some players you could step in and start. You know, I've been I've said it for a while that I think Marco Franco, uh, the right back out of UC Irvine, he impressed me. I think he's going to be a good pro, that, and he could end up starting for the Chicago Fire. He's one to watch. Obviously, Steve Birnbaum, a number two pick. That's not really a, a kind of diamond in the rough. You know, he was the top senior taken in the draft, so he's a bit of a known quantity. As far as law, as far as kind of late round players who could emerge. Uh, you know, there was some. There, when I looked at the fourth round, I saw quite a bit of talent that that went in the fourth round. That was a bit surprising that it's that you know players that slip. Uh, you know, when you think about somebody like Joey Dillon, uh, the 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 midfielder from Georgetown, he falls to Real Salt Lake. Now, hey, he might not even make that team because they're so stacked in the midfield. However, he's a quality player. I mean, he went fifty third overall, which I thought. I mean, I, I mean, I rated him in the twenties. He, but again, he had a poor combine. As did most of the defensive midfielders in the draft had poor combines, and that really hurt him. But you know, Real Salt Lake, if he can latch on there, uh, you know, watch out. I think he could be a good player. I think he still has some 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 ability. 
and the Galaxy, what's interesting, right? The Galaxy traded out of the first round. Uh, and, and they they picked up allocation money from the Columbus Crew to to move out of the first round, and they end up go they end up getting a player in the second round who for me was a first round value and Kyle Venter, the big center back out of New Mexico. Now he's not someone who's going to play first year, uh, but and, and especially with the Galaxy with the center backs they already have, it's going to be tough going. But he's a player I think of value that that could you know develop into a starter in MLS. I see him some as someone who will be an MLS starter eventually and will have a good career. And it's going to be another case of Bruce Arena identifying talent and, and having it blossom. I mean, we've seen it the last few years now, especially in, uh, when you talk about center backs. AJ De La Garza, uh, teams had a lot of questions about him. He turned him into a starter, an MLS starter. Tommy Meyer a year ago, well, two years ago now, again, rookie was like the eighth center back taken, ended up you know being a pretty solid starter. Last year, Kofi Opare, a player who – was kind of under the radar and ends up starting toward the end of the year and looking really good. So, you know what? I, I, anytime Bruce Arena picks a player uh, in the draft, you kind of have to give look at that player and say there might be something there. And also on draft day, which was Tuesday of this past week, news reports came out of something that has never been done in Major League Soccer before. Houston Dynamo and Colorado Rapids complete the first ever MLS intra-league loan. Colorado sending Tony Cascio over to the Houston Dynamo. Dynamo sending over an international roster spot for one year to the Colorado Rapids. Ivis, what did you make of this move? Will we see more of it? General thoughts on this. Well, it's not – first thing I'd like to say is definitely – it's not a new rule. It's a rule that the league put in place a year ago. Uh, but teams did not take advantage of that rule until now. Basically what it boils down to is is it's not – the Colorado Rapids are not giving up on Tony Cascio – but they looked at their 2014 season. They looked at the players they're planning to bring in, the players they have, and they saw Cassio being a player who probably wasn't going to get playing time there, uh, get get enough playing time there. So he's. But that being said, he's still somebody somebody that they rate. So why not move him to a team not in your conference? Obviously, a team in the, in the opposite conference where he can play, and then you get yourself an international roster spot uh, in the process, which you can use to to, to help. Uh, bring in an extra foreign player, and, and you know, ch- I believe they saw sh- signed uh, Charles Alandu, who, who's someone who's probably going to get a, a, a good number of minutes for, for Colorado in 2014. It's a win-win. Uh, for, it's a win-win for both teams. The, the Dynamo uh, get a quality wing player who can who can give them real minutes, especially in a World Cup year. When you think about you know Oscar Bonilla Garcia's with Honduras, Brad Davis is an out has an outside chance of, of making the U.S. team. Uh, so you had you add some depth there, and Cassio's going to give you some good minutes. He's a, he's a player who, you know, was had a really solid uh, rookie year, mm-hmm. and, and you know, last year was a little a little bit of a step back, but he still has quality. And and hey, if you get a chance to play for a coach like uh, Dom Kinnear, why not? Why not take advantage of that? Send your young player there, and then you bring him back in the year and see what happens. Uh, no, you're, you're exactly. I, and I'll tell you what. Uh-huh. I, I was just going to say, I, I tell you what, we we should see more of it. We need to see more of it. I think the league's big enough now where you have teams that have these extra players. Why not move that? You know, move them around. Get, you know, if you if you have four center backs, the fourth guy's not going to get many minutes. Why not? Why not loan him to a team in the other conference that needs a center back? There's, I think, it's not something we're going to see a t- like a ton of. Uh-huh. But I think there's enough cases where teams have guys who are kind of languishing on the bench, and why not make the moves? See, in this, 
Excuse me, and this is what I find interesting about this. I think going into the 2013 season, Ivis, I mean, you looked at a guy like Tony Cascio coming off that rookie year, as you said. I mean, there were, there were times when Tony, when Tony was talked about as possibly rookie of the year candidate. I mean, he doesn't play that much this past year, but but the thing that kind of that, that I scratch my head on, and I wonder this: I mean, what 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 took MLS teams so long to do this? Because as you said, this was put in place before the 2013 season. I mean, it took almost a whole year for this to be done. I mean, why why aren't more teams jumping at this opportunity? Well, I, I mean, I think last year was just a case of, of not being clear on how it would work. And, and maybe there were probably some concerns since, you know, teams were already into their season. So they went into 2013 kind of having their plan in place of how they were going to manage their teams. So they didn't really account for player X, player Y suddenly not being on their team anymore. Mm-hmm. And and on the other side, teams generally tried to fill their needs already. So you know, you, you didn't you didn't have teams that necessarily went in, you know, at in the middle of the season, we're, we're going to need a player that would happen to be expendable. So this time around, teams are in their offseason. They can actually look ahead and plan ahead and say, OK, look, we're going to bring in this international guy. Uh, you know, if you're Colorado, you figure, you know, hey, we're going to sign Alondu. Uh, we're going to have depth, ec- a little extra depth on the wing. Cassio probably isn't going to play. Let's put some feelers out. Uh, in the off season to teams, you know, in the other conference, because I mean, not not that that's a rule, but let's face it, if you're if you're a Western Conference team, you're not you don't want to loan a player uh, to a team that you're going to be competing against for a playoff spot. So, you know, I put I'm sure they put the feelers out, and and the fact that you have a full off season to do that, then you have a team like Houston that can you know uh, accommodate that kind of pickup, accommodate that kind of loan move. So I think it, it needed an off season. For teams to adapt and adjust and you know hopefully this isn't the only one hopefully we have a few more because let's face it you know you don't want to see guys languishing away on the bench not getting enough playing time especially young talents like tony cassio i know we have the usl pro alone uh, setups and and all that but and now with the reserve league kind of diminishing since teams are all jumping on these usl pro affiliations uh so this is a perfect opportunity to give some of these guys steady playing time um is there anyone in the league who you think would benefit from this I haven't really thought about it. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I think uh, someone that comes to mind who, who, I mean, last year I remember Connor laid uh, a player who, again, another guy, much like Tony Cassio, who had a really good rookie year. And then, and I mean, he even was in, in the January uh, national team camp a year ago. Uh, and then he just completely, you know, he, I know, I guess he had, you know, he had some injuries. He, he, he lost confidence. His form dipped. So his, his play was that, de- you know, whatever, for whatever the reason, he just didn't get on the field with the Red Bulls last year. And, you know, his, his value really dipped. And now this year, he's, he's not even really talked about in the conversation for, for, for their fullback spots. I mean, they, I mean, the fact that they went and drafted a fullback in the second round shows you that, you know, this kid, Lade's stock just isn't where it was a year ago. A year ago, I mean, let's face it, the guy, you know, people were talking about how could he follow up his rookie year? Is he, how much better can he get? And now he's a bit off the radar. He's someone who I think would have benefited from this last year. But obviously, as I said, teams weren't ready to do that in the middle of the year. This time around, if if the Red Bulls are not going to play him, I got to believe there's some teams out there that would take a player like Connor Lade and would find find a role for him. So, I mean, he's someone that comes to mind. Uh, you know, Ryan Mira is an example. I mean, Ryan Mira is good enough to start in MLS, but they have, you know, the, the Red Bulls have have uh, Luis Robles as their starting goalkeeper. So that's but, – but again, do you trade – do you loan out your backup – then you got to go to a number three. So maybe that one's a little trickier. What's interesting, and people may not know, and this is what I've been told, the whole idea, the whole concept for the interleague loan uh, 
was born out of 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 wanting to have a situation for Omar Salgado. Mm-hmm. Omar Salgado, the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, winger slash forward, former number one pick. Um, you know, Vancouver wanted to get him some playing time, but you know, I, I don't think they were big on loan. You know, loaning him to Mexico, loaning him. You know, so there was this talk about loaning him with him in MLS. At the end of the day, it didn't happen. He didn't go anywhere. But I think he was kind of someone that 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 was envisioned as a, a perfect, you, you know, this mechanism would be perfectly suited for someone like him. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen this year. I think Omar Salgado is actually going to play a big role for the Whitecaps this year. But it's just interesting that he kind of may, maybe helped this happen. I, I think it's great for the league, Ivis. I, I, I mean, I hope more teams do it and some guys get playing time. Garrett, are you all right? You, no. say, you, don't, you don't sound too good. You okay with it? Yeah, I'm sick, dude. <laughs> Are you sure? You sure? You know, I mean, be honest. I mean, if your girl broke up with you, let me know. No, she did not. I'm seriously sick, man. What happened was on Monday we hiked this mountain with the academy boys in Phoenix, and it's like a serious climb up Camelback Mountain. And they all looked at me, they're like, "Hey, Gary, are you gonna run with us?" And I was just like, "I can run with you guys." No, dude, I I I died after about like half a mile. I seriously <laughs> coughed up probably both of my lungs. Oh man! What, what made it what made it worse, right? Is I'm the last one to get to the top, and, and mind you, this is like a popular mountain in Arizona. So there's probably like I don't know, like a hundred people up there. I get to the top, and they start chaining my name and clapping for me. And there's like two people up there that I know that just happen to be there at the same time. <laughs> God, it was horrible, man. I was just like, I looked at all of them, like I hate all of you right now. How is this not on Instagram video or YouTube? Because uh, everyone ran, so no one had their phones or anything uh, like that. Actually, no. Terrible. Actually, you know, you know, you know what made it. it even worse was I brought my camera with me, so I had, I had a sling over my back, and then they all gave me their phones. So then I'm carrying up this like 30 pound back, you know, backpack to the top of the mountain. <laughs> it was horrible. Then I got sick, right. and then you know, it's it's 70 degrees, which you know, being sick, you know, the sinuses, it's horrible. I was. I'm, trust you really me. Just, you really just said it's it's 70 degrees as, as if that's a bad thing. It's like one. It's like minus 10. Where I am, and you're talking about, oh, hey, it's 70. You know, it gets a little chilly. I, I can't get down to about 70 degrees. I, it does. I can't do these. These. I can't do these wow. crazy Arizona temperature changes are, from when it goes from 70 to 50 in one day. I, I can't do ruining, it. You're ruining your reputation as you speak. Actually, I, I wore shorts on Monday. It was pretty nice. I think that's you, also why I guess I didn't bundle up. That's probably what it was. You're losing all respect. Uh, <laughs> please, I have like maybe a half of a percentage respect on this show. Um, I was moving on. Time to talk about something else. You wrote a piece on Goal.com about this. Uh, everyone can check it out. Just go to Goal.com. Ivis wrote it. It's on American soccer, the need for more personalities. I think everyone this week saw the Richard Sherman thing after the Seattle Seahawks defeated the San Francisco 49ers. Ivis, you, you had a piece where you talked about the need for more personalities in American soccer. Elaborate on that a little bit. Well, you know, for those of you who haven't read it, uh, before you get too crazy, when you think, when you hear about the particulars, this is not a piece for me saying that American soccer needs guys like Richard Sherman. Not at all. The point of the piece kind of uh, the point of the piece was more about just kind of the lack of big personalities in American soccer. And and I mean, when you look at someone like Richard Sherman, uh, I mean, it's all it's all a bit of an act with this guy. I mean, let's face it; he's a passionate player. He's the top, you know, one of the top players in the NFL. But he, you know, there's a method to the madness. I mean, he's an intelligent guy. Went to Stanford. You know, graduated number two in his class in high school. Uh, so it's all it's all, mm-hmm. there's a method to all everything he's doing is a little orchestrated. So my so it kind of got me thinking, and it's something I've thought about in the past. The fact that in American soccer we just don't have those kind of, you know, outgoing slash outspoken personalities who really kind of capture the limelight, who really you know know how to work a camera. 
Um, I mean, there there have been those type of guys, you know, play when you think about Alexi Lalas or Eric Winalda or Kobe Jones in that era, uh, guys who had some personality. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I had a chance to talk to Alexi Lalas actually about the topic. And, you know, he had some really good things and interesting things to say about that. And, and we just don't have that. We just don't have guys. Well, it's all a little vanilla. It's all a little uh-huh. plain. You know, when you interview players, generally it's it's all pretty safe. And, and you know, it's just not that kind of, you know carefree personality types i mean even you don't even you don't even have to go back as as far back as 94 i mean i can remember clint mathis in his heyday uh circa 2000 2001 he was a guy who was a free spirit wasn't afraid to speak his mind i just feel like there's we don't i don't there's not enough of that and i think american soccer and mls especially needs some of that needs some of that to promote the game and promote the league there's just i just don't think there's enough of that well i, I agree I, I don't think we need what richard sherman did for and the other thing too the guy's going to the Super Bowl, and you catch him like five seconds after they win. I mean, please, God knows what's going through your mind and what you're going to say in that yeah, moment. Yeah. I mean, look, you, let's not let's not even get into that. But 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 nobody's ripping Sherman's. No, interview. I know. I'm just saying, which I, I found funny. But but because oh, I read the comments on Goal.com, and everyone's like, uh, "Well, come in, please." If you capture a guy who just won the MLS Cup, I mean, God knows what they're going to say. Anyways, my my point is this, Ivis, the personality thing. You just mentioned guys like Alexi Laws, Eric Winalda. He, here, here's my thought. Guys like that, Eric Winalda, for, for as outlandish as he is in the, in the things that he says, he could back it up. He could justify the things that he's done. Guys in Europe are like that. Mario Balotelli, uh, Ibrahimovic, Messi, Ronaldo. I mean, they can have that cocky arrogance to them. I mean, in Messi's MLS... cocky and arrogant? Well, okay, I'm sorry, not, not Messi, but the other guys, though. The other guys, though. I mean, looking at Major League Soccer, I mean, are there any guys who can be like that but that back up their play on the field? I, I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, so so you're saying there's no one good in MLS? I mean, well, but there's no one. But, but I'm saying, but not players. like, but not like Eric Winaldo though. Eric was on another level. Same with Alexi Lost, first player. To there's play no one in MLS. Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan. I mean, what, what are you talking about? I mean, this guy. <sighs> and, the league has the league has its stars, and the point is that there are just none. None of the stars are the type of guy that will really come out of the shell and really speak their minds. And, and you know what? That's not a knock against you know the the, the players that individually. It's not. I'm not trying to knock Landon Donovan. He is how he is. He is a good, you know, he is a good pitch man. He does his commercials, but he's not the most outspoken guy. Clint Dempsey, you know what? On the field, the guy's an animal, but you know what? He's he's not also he's also not the most outspoken guy. And and there just isn't that. And I'm not saying the league needs a hundred of these guys, but give me one. Give me give me a couple. Give me a couple guys who who you know play with that kind of passion, speak with that kind of passion, do interviews with that kind of passion. Just or just you know. And again, this is not about Richard Sherman. The whole Richard Sherman thing just got me thinking about the topic in general. Uh, and Alexi Laws raised a good point. You know, when back when back in the nine, you know, the nineties when the U.S. team was coming up, and and all those guys did take advantage of the spotlight. It was a bit of a wild west time then. There were, there were no rules. There was no MLS. There were no handlers trying to pitch a message. Which you get that now. And MLS MLS does that. MLS lets their mm-hmm. players know. Listen, careful what you say. There's all sorts of media training. Uh, you know, there's a lot of babying and, and a lot of, you know, over, I feel like overprotecting and, 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 you know, trying to mold the message. There's a lot of that. And you know what? For a league that is struggling with TV ratings, for a league that's struggling to gain mm-hmm. a foothold uh, in the kind of mainstream consciousness, you need a couple of guys who can carry the flag and who can garner attention uh, and, and it doesn't have to be a sideshow, but let's get some personality, guys. I and mean, look, there are some guys that have personality. Eddie Johnson, love him or hate him, the guy speaks his mind. The guy's not afraid to talk. He he's kind of an example of a guy who 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 puts himself out there. 
Hercules Gomez. He's not in MLS, but he's someone, you know what? Guy's a social, he's a social media maven. He's on, the, he's on Twitter. He's on Instagram. He puts himself out there. I just feel like we need more of that. And hopefully we start getting some more of that because I, I think the game needs it. I think the ML, MLS needs it. Uh, and that's one way to help move the needle. I I only see it happening if we, if some young guy comes up and he just raises the level and he's above everyone else. I just I don't you don't have just, to be you don't have to be the best player to have to be an outspoken person. You just don't. That, I I disagree, man. I th- I think you can. You know what? If you have that swagger, and I mean you have to be. Yeah, able you to have play. to back it up though. That's the thing. If you have to yeah, back up your play on the field though, there's who's the top dog in MLS right now? You don't have to be the top person. You can be good. If you're if you can be you can be very good and speak your mind. You don't have to be the very best player in the world to be able to speak your mind. That's ridiculous. Alexi Lawless was not the Alexi Lawless wasn't close to the best anything. He was the best redheaded center back, maybe. But you know what? He, he, <laughs> he was an he was an intelligent guy who who got the the fact that, you know what? I can get attention by, you know, playing to my strengths, playing to my personality, playing that up. He told me that. We had this kind of great conversation. He, everything he did, he did with a purpose. And people thought, oh, this guy's a clown. This guy does these things and that thing. But guess what? He got attention. And I just feel like that I, I just wish there was a little more of that. And and again, it has to be natural. The players have to feel they have to be comfortable enough in their own skin and confident enough in themselves to be that way. It's easier said than done, right? I mean, but it's just for mm-hmm. me, it's just crazy that there's just it's just this landscape of plainness, landscape of just all just blah. It's we need a little more, man. We need a little more personality, period. And no, you don't have to be the best guy in the league to do it. That's not that's totally not the case. Uh, it's not I, just I don't agree about, with you on that. It's not what, what is okay, great? well, okay, well, okay. Here, here's my thought on this. Okay, I'm, and I'm not saying that players need to be talking trash or acting like an idiot or calling people out. That that's ridiculous. I, I don't want that. But yeah, I, when you I look at when you look at like the National Football League, you have you have Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, dude. They're on another level than everyone else they play with. Hockey, Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin. I mean, NBA, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Those guys are on another level, a completely another level compared to everyone what else that, they play with. What does that have? What to I'm do saying with? is this. Major League Soccer, for something like this to happen, a player needs to come through and be like Delaney Donovan when he was younger, a guy who's on another level that no one else to, is approaching. No, you don't. You don't have to be on another level. Absolutely mm. not. You don't. You, so, you, so the only people that have ever come out of their shell or been personalities are on another but I'm level. Saying, but, you, I'm, but I'm saying for it to last and to sustain, not not just for a blip on no, the radar and we forget about it. You have personality. That, that's not, that's, that has nothing. But what, that, but what I'm saying is the best is means nothing. But what it's I'm about, saying is you're, you're playing the field, then carries it. Do you, is you're not, Griffin, if is you're Blake some Griffin, guy, if is, you're some is Blake Griffin, the best player in the NBA, is he in the top five? No, but he's a marketable guy. He's got personality. That's okay. That's true. Yes. I'm, he but, did but make a name in college. This is true. That, but this is my point. The point is, you know, you don't have to be the best guy. That's I mean, the guys you mentioned aren't even the, that type of person. Tom Brady's not this, you know, out, I mean, out there guy. He's not, but he's a winner. And he's a good-looking guy, so he's he's marketable in those ways. But I'm just talking about personality, guys who can put themselves out there. And I just I just I wish there was a little more of that. There's some guys coming up who maybe you know what, like someone like John Yellen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got some style, some swagger to him. He can play. He's young. He's a guy who who could be he he has some marketability to him. So if he keeps getting better as a player, if he comes out of his shell personality-wise, he could be great for the league. Someone like Clint Irwin, I also mentioned in the piece. Clint Irwin, for people who don't know, is goalkeeper for the Colorado Rapids. 
you might not know much about him, but the guy's one of the smartest people in the league. If you follow him, he's he's probably the best player Twitter follow in MLS right now. And 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 let's be honest, there's just not that many good followers in Twitter in MLS. So, uh, you know that that that's all I'm saying. That type of stuff. Take advantage of what's there. Promote yourself. Market yourself. I just we need MLS needs more of that. American soccer needs more of that. Uh, if anyone wants to follow Clint Irwin on Twitter, it's just it's at Clint Irwin. It's that easy. Um, Good right. talk. <laughs> no, it was. Hey, I guess it's good when the show goes back and forth. I look. I, I just think Major League Soccer needs more talent. That that's my final take on this. Before we move on. Well, that's all. <laughs> way to way to way to slip in the totally honest, un, <laughs> kind of. Yes, we agree. More talent, but we also need <laughs> more, we need more American players to not be afraid to speak their minds and and have some. And, and you know what? I, I give you one quick. Yeah. One. And I mentioned it in the story. Uh-huh. Uh, Tommy McNamara, he was number twenty player, number twenty player picked in the draft. Chivas USA, first pick of the second round. The guy has the best mullet you'll ever see. Right. Uh-huh. It, the story with this kid, he gra- he graduated. He played at Brown. He's an Ivy League play, Ivy League kid. Star started was a star player for Brown. Graduated from Brown. Played one year at Clemson. Obviously played well there. All ACC. The like coming in the league. The guy's got some personality to him, but he's also very intelligent. And he might be a guy. You know what? Maybe he is a guy. Maybe he's a guy who ends up be, being someone that can be marketed because, A, he's intelligent. B, he's different. C, he can play. So that's what I'm saying. We need that. We, MLS needs to find some guys like that, some guys that have the skill, have something about them that's a bit different, and are smart enough to handle it, smart enough to handle the quote unquote the act, which is you know something Lawless points out. You got to be able to control it all and smart enough to know what you're doing. Uh, you forgot D, the most important thing. McNamara has the greatest hair in the league right now. Well, having great hair helps. So there yeah. you go, DeAndre, DeAndre Yedlin. There you go. I He's think happy. he gives Yedlin a run for his money now. If anyone wants to know, he has a mullet. McNamara has a mullet. It's uh, it's quite interesting. It's it's Kenny Powers esque. It's amazing. <laughs> But yeah, no, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It just needs a little. Look, I'm not saying. Look, I'm not saying. Hey, Matt Buster, we'll start screaming in people's faces. Hey, yeah, you know, hey, you know, Graham Zusi, uh, you know, get a mohawk. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we could use a little more, a little more personnel. Maybe we should start the campaign for Graham Zusi to get a mohawk. Nah, you don't want to mess with that hair. He's got the best hair in the league. Don't touch. Don't touch the hair. Wait, he Those has guys, the best hair. You think he has? Okay, who, 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 he has the best hair. hair. He's got some hair. Who has him. the best hair then? Have you ever seen his hair? Before? No, I've seen it. Nice I was hair. asking you, who has the best hair? Yedlin? I, I hadn't really Susie? thought about it. I'm trying to think I, about it right now. Donovan's uh, bleached blonde hair? That's pretty good. That was 12 years ago. <laughs> why, are we even, why are we even talking th- about it? Well, it's an honorable mention. It always gets included in any list of I, best well, hair. I thought you were just talking about present hair. Well, we can't forget that. But uh, present hair? Huh, I'll have to think about this. Maybe we'll debate this on the next show. That's Yeah, we're going to have to do that one. That's what we'll do. Before the season, we'll, we'll give out awards. You know, best hair... Uh, you know, what else can we get awards out? Best Twitter account, you know, just ridiculous stuff. You know, the the SBI oh, yeah. preview. Can you tell it's the? Can you tell it's the? the you know what? If any, if we've learned anything from this, the, the early part of this show, yeah, is that the 2014 season can't get here soon enough. Oh, we're I just, know. The, we're just we're just struggling for things to talk about. I I, I need games to watch. That's my problem. I know. I know you need you need some games to watch too. Absolutely. Uh, well, I was completely changing gears and moving over to the Americans abroad front. Josie Outdoor and Sunderland defeated 
Manchester United and have had and have advanced to the League Cup final. They'll be taking on Manchester City. But Josie Altidore is everyone's favorite whipping boy. I mean, he comes in the game, Ivis. He looks all right, but as always, everyone just wants to dog and trash on him no matter what. Yeah, I don't. You know what? It's I don't get it, man. I mean, I no, I'm not sitting here saying the guy had a great game, but he did all right. Had some good touches, set up some teammates. Didn't have a lot of room to operate. Wasn't perfect. He had some bad. You know, he he. he sometimes he looks like he could be hustling a little more. Mm-hmm. But but all in all, it was an okay performance from him. Uh, and but he was getting hammered. You know, whoever these people are just love to crush the guy. It's like unless he's told. You know, unless he's carrying two defenders in each hand, and 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 walking them into the net with the goal. It's it's just you know. I know people want to see goals. Uh, you know, I'd love to see goals. Klinsman would love to see goals. Josie Altidore would love to see goals. But you know what? Right now, they're not coming. He is not at his best form. He 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 can improve. He's struggling for minutes a bit. But I tell you what, this performance at, for his team is huge. For those who missed it, an amazing game. Crazy, crazy game. Um, you know, it goes into extra time. Uh, Man United scores. It looks like it's over. And then, uh, actually, no, it, it was Sunderland scores on the freakiest uh, blunder of a, of a goal given up by the, the David De Gea, Manu's goalkeeper. Looks like it's, you know, literally it looks like it's over. And then Chicharito comes right back down, scores the goal, push, which sends the game to PKs. And then the absolute worst series of PKs in the history of penalty kicks. I mean, when you want to talk about both teams being absolutely atrocious, it was hilarious. And uh, Sunderland wins. They're in the final now. Uh, and that's good. That's good for Sunderland. It's good for 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 Altidore because think about it. I mean, his team it has started to come around. They're slowly but surely climbing up up the ladder in the Premier League. Obviously, this wasn't a league game, but it's still from a confidence standpoint as a team, they're gaining belief. Gus Poyet is starting to get to these guys. And you know what? It, 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 is it unfortunate that Altidore is not starting? Yes, it's unfortunate. But as I've said a million times, the battle, the struggle. For minutes can make him better. It, it it can and will force him to get. It will force him to do to to put in more of an effort to sharpen his game. You know, is his confidence in, in taking a hit right now? That's entirely possible. But you know what? This, he's not a kid anymore. This isn't 17, 18 year old, nineteen year old Josie Altidore. He, you know, he's twenty three now. He's older. He's been through this all. Now it's up to him. It's up to him to get it done. It's up to him to play his way back into the lineup, and it's definitely up to him to take advantage of every opportunity that comes his way. Uh, well, the man who replaced Josie Outdoor at AZ, Aaron Johansson, continues to impress this season. He scored his 20th goal in all competitions, 11 away from the record that Josie Outdoor set. Ivis, do you think Aaron Johansson is going to catch Josie or surpass him? I think it's too early to talk about it. It's January. Let, let him get to like 25, and then, then we can start talking about it. I, I feel like... I feel like the the record watch already when he's when he's scored less than two thirds of the amount is a little much. It's been a great season, amazing season, but let's take it easy with the record. I've, I've been on the goal watch since his first goal, so I mean, if you want to jump on the bandwagon now, come on, Ivis, come on. You know me, I'm a pragmatist, <laughs> I'm patient. Take it easy on the kid. Let's yeah. see how his team does. I mean, let's face it, his team won its first game in in you know six weeks, so. It's good for them to win, get some confidence. And you know what? It, it, his, I, I've been saying it. I've been saying it for a few months now. Aaron Johansson, for me, is going to be starting at the World Cup. And it's just it's just going to keep building his confidence, keep finding the net. Uh, another young player who also continues to impress, Paul Ariola, uh, nets his second goal in consecutive games. 
for the Tijuana Zolos, Ivis, I mean, Paul Ariola. I mean, the, the talent that this guy has, I mean, you wonder, I mean, do you think Jurgen might call him in at all in 2014? Oh, let's take it easy. You know, he's, uh, he's you know, Copa, Copa Mexico is, you know, it is what it is. Early rounds, not the highest level. But he is a talented player. There's no doubt about it. He's someone, I, I believe I've said it before when people ask me about who would be the wild card guy uh-huh. that could come out of nowhere and, and make the team. And, and I mentioned him. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Hercules Gomez uh, yesterday for a story that appeared today, a, a piece on Hercules Gomez. And uh, we talked about Ariola, and, and he actually and he said something that I've heard a few times, which is that Ariola has a little Landon Donovan about him, a little young Landon Donovan in terms of the way he moves, the way he plays. That's a, that's that's no small compliment. I mean, he, he's a, he's a dynamic player. There's there's talent. There's loads of talent there, but we got to remember he's 18, folks. Let's take it easy. Let's not go putting him on the world on the World Cup team just yet. Uh, actually, the, the funny thing is he's he's struggling a bit for minutes under the new manager at Club Tijuana. So, you know, he's taken a step back a bit from that regard. I think it's easy to forget how young he is. So he's gonna still, he's gonna go through his ups and downs still, but the talent is definitely there. Uh, in the on the bad news front for the Americans abad, Steve Trunello is having some issues with the injury. Ivis looks like it's coming back. He's uh he has been not been able to get rid of the the persistent knee issues that he's having, and he's training by himself at 34 years old. Ivis, it'd be outstanding to see him in the World Cup. We've talked about that how much value and, and quality he would bring to the U.S. Men's National Team. But I mean, reoccurrences like this, Ivis. I mean, I, I don't think it. I don't think it's going to happen for him this summer. What do you think? Uh, honestly, at this point, at this point, I think we should just stop talking about it. At this point, I think we should just say it's not going to happen. And if you know what, if it ends up happening, if he magically makes it back, if he gets the knee thing sorted out, he makes the run. Sure. Great. But for right now, I think it's just safe to say it's time to move on. It's time to look at other options. It's time to kind of settle in with the Jeff Cameron slash Brad Evans options. Uh, you can always obviously look at Tim Chandler as someone who can maybe work his way back in. Uh, Eric Lehigh, who's playing well, playing regularly uh, as well for for Nottingham Forest, he's someone to consider. So there are other options there, and I think it's just start look. It's time to start looking at those, and 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 maybe time to start holding out. To time to stop holding out hope that Chirondolo's knee is going to get better. I mean, as you said, he's thirty four. It's tough for a, it's tough for a defender that age as it is to to do well at a World Cup. But then now when you talk about all the injury issues, the fact he's not playing regularly, it's just not looking good at all. Yeah, and you know what? Like you said, obviously, it'll be a great story if, if he somehow does make it. Uh, well, we have reached the end of the show, Ivis. And since this is the quasi-midweek show, uh, we're going to do the SBI Q&A. As always, people, you can send in your questions on Twitter. Hashtag AskTheSBIShow. Ivis and I always check even when we're not doing an SBI Q&A. So send them in at any time. First question, Ivis, comes from Aiden White. Any real substance to the forlorn to Major League Soccer Chicago rumor? Would he even fit in under Yallop? Well, I mean, when you think about Chicago, um, they're A, they're a team that, is, that has been willing to spend money on designated players before, and B, aside from Mike McGee, they don't really have a, a forward who's, you know, a stud, a guy who's proven and gets it done on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint... Sure, it's possible, but from what I understand, Forlan's asking for a lot of money. Uh, I, I've been told that FC Dallas was in uh, in the market for him uh, a month ago and uh, apparently came up a million dollars short in their uh, bid to get him. 
uh, that last I'd heard on Forlan was that he was going to Japan. I don't know where those talks are or where that situation is, but I do know that there was an agent working with uh, with Forlan to try to uh, see if there was any a, any interest in MLS. So from that standpoint, there might be some conversations going on. But as far as how close to that would would it be? That's a tough one. I gotta say because I mean, if he's asking for you know somewhere in the four million to four and a half million dollar range or let's just say even three three and a half anywhere in that three to four million dollar range i mean you know for chicago to spend that kind of money uh that'd be that'd be pretty interesting i mean and it would make you wonder if mls would would uh would pay a portion of that or what but as of right now chicago doesn't have uh a big ticket player on their payroll obviously they have mike mcgee reigning mls mvp but they don't have that second guy to kind of uh, you know, partner with McGee to spearhead the attack. So is it is it possible? Eh, it's possible. I would say it's probably a long shot, but I do think Forlan is interested to some degree in MLS. Uh, next question comes from Ian Scrim-Gior. What's your take on the co-affiliation agreement between Timbers, Earthquakes, and Sacramento's USL side? Seems an odd arrangement. Definitely, you definitely didn't come close to saying that guy's name right. Uh, but who could? It's, it's Dude, a his last name. name is insane. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, how do you even say that? Oh, yeah, don't even try to spell it. Uh, well, all right. As far as this, it, it is a little bit of a weird one. Um, obviously, Sacramento, you know, being closer to San Jose, you would think that would have just made sense as an as an affiliation. But the sense that I get is Portland really made a play for that. Portland really made a play for Sacramento as their affiliate, and you know, I don't know what happened to end up with this compromise where you have each team now. Because generally the, the way it works is MLS teams, when they have that affiliation, they can send four players to the USL Pro team uh, to get playing time now. Because these teams are sharing Sacramento, uh, we're talking about only two each. And it's a little, for me, I don't know. I feel like it's a little, I don't, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a little unfortunate because, you know, the whole point of these affiliations is for younger players to to, to get playing time uh, on these MLS teams, and basically, uh, you give up being in the reserve league as long as you can get your four players into a USL Pro team. Now, both these teams have kind of skirted that because now they're only including two teams each. I mean, only uh, two players each. So, from that standpoint, you wonder who's going to miss out on that. Who's going to miss out in the end? And when you look at Portland, Portland's got quite a few young guys. Uh, you know, obviously they signed Brian Gallego as a homegrown player. He seems like someone who would be perfect for that that move. Uh, San Jose, as far as on the young player side, uh, may, maybe they don't have as many as many young players who, who might qualify for that. Tommy Thompson, their 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 recent homegrown signing. I mean, he's a quality player. He's someone I think who can get minutes on the first team. So I don't see him going on loan. So you know, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of it. But MLS obviously allowed it, and it's a tough one. It's not easy for these teams to find USL pro affiliates. It's not like there's USL teams everywhere. So there's, I guess this is, it's a little, well. There's, it, one, there's one in Phoenix that doesn't have a team. Well, we're not going to get into that. But, yeah, so it's, I, guess, I guess it's unavoidable, but, you know, it's unfortunate, I think. Uh, next question comes from Cameron Parkinson. I'd love to hear your thoughts, rankings for all these new homegrown players. Well, funny you mention that. I'm, I'm going to work on a ranking uh, last year, for those you know, in case you missed it, a year ago on the SBI site, I ranked all the rookies, uh, homegrowns and draft picks included. Kind of put a put a list of kind of the top twenty uh, rookie of the year candidates, and then you know, top twenty long term prospects. I'll work. I'll be working on something like that for the start of the season. 
Uh, I've already kind of put together a preliminary homegrown signing ranking list, and and I can I'm not going to give it away, but I mean you know it's it's uh, there's no real surprises as far as guys who are at the top of that list. You know guys like Harry, Harry Ship, Chicago, Tommy Thompson, San Jose, uh, Mendiola with LA, and obviously Toronto FC's for young forward, young Canadian forward. Uh, there's quite a few good talents coming in and. Question is, are they going to get playing time? That's going to be the key question. Uh, next question comes from Matt Orzim. Any chance Freddie Montero gets into the Columbia squad for the 2014 World Cup? He's in great form. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt. Columbia is spelled C-O-L-O. Just a little FYI for you. Oh, that's right. He spelled it Columbia. That's, he, that's well, no, he spelled it. it like the university. It's a little bit of a common mistake. But, you know, just letting you know, Matt, so, you know, you, you can uh, correct that next time and, you know, you don't make any of your Colombian friends upset. But uh, it, it's funny when when the uh, – I mean, obviously it's sad that and unfortunate that Falcao uh, tears, you know, has suffered a torn tor- ACL and what was a meaningless cup game against the fourth division French team that, you know, he probably should have been playing against. It's totally sad, but when it happened or when the news broke that, that he had a torn ACL and even before it, I was already thinking, hey, Freddie Montero, here's a guy – who's killing it in Portugal. He's, he's, he's scoring goals in bunches. He's really taken full advantage of his move away from the Seattle Sounders. And he hasn't quite had his chance yet under Jose Peckerman. Um, look, Colombia, number one, Colombia, you know, they're stacked. You know, they're going to miss Falcao, obviously. He's one of the best forwards in the world. But they're still stacked. They still have a tons of talent there. Jackson Martinez is still there as a top forward. They've got quite a few other guys who haven't had that chance yet to break through with the senior team. Uh, Montero hasn't even been getting called up now. You'd like to think that come, you know, with the March, the March international fixture date, that's a perfect opportunity for Peckerman to bring Montero in and, and take a closer look at him. Well, okay. Speaking of that, with Falco's knee injury, making him doubtful for the world cup, are Colombia no longer a contender? I'm sorry. This is from beer J. Uh, well, you know, I mean, I, I'd say this. I always thought, I thought Colombia was a, a, the type of team that can make that run into the semis possibly as a dark horse i never really saw them as a team that you know to win at all you don't go from not ha- it's just it's just i gotta say it's impossible uh or near pre- virtually impossible to go from not having been in the world cup for you know however many cycles they hadn't been in the world cup to winning it seriously having a chance to win it i think Colombia with falcao was a team that could make that run into the semis and really put a you know knock a few teams off and, and really impress in that regard i think that was their ceiling now without Falcao, they still hey they're still a strong team. They're still playing in South America. There's still going to be a ton of Colombians going to Brazil to to check that out and support them. So I think they'll still get out of the group stage, uh, and I think they can get even as far as the quarters. I mean, n- number one, they still have a ton of talent. They have you know Jackson Martinez, James Rodriguez. Their defense is really strong. Uh, Jose Peckerman for me, really good manager. So from that standpoint, they could still probably get to the quarters, but I think round of sixteen is realistic unless you know someone emerges like freddie montero someone emerges to fill that that goal scoring void left behind by by falcao next question comes from weston john he 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 says great meeting you and franco at combine then he asks is low fan turnout at combine a bad sign for mls expansion in miami not at all i mean and and it was great to meet you too uh john weston john long time uh you know twitter follower uh, for SBI, uh, it was great. He was one of the f- uh, those fans that did uh, make it out to the combine games. Look, when it comes down to it, the combine is held for the coaches. The combine is not promoted as an event for the public. Uh, and, and just to give you an idea of that for you know, as, as long as the combine has been going on, 
it hasn't even been open to the public every single year. Some years it has, some years it hasn't. Has it? I think at some point in the past couple of years, someone realized, listen, we can just open it to the public and actually make make you know make some money off of it. Maybe make a couple thousand dollars. I mean, I think it was like I think they were charging like ten dollars to go to it. Um, and look, no, not a lot of people were going. The games were on Friday, Sunday, and Tuesday. So you know, for two out of three games, people are working. So it was never going to really, you know, attract many people. I mean, these are college kids. These are this is we're not talking college football, college basketball, where the college players are already known commodities. These are college soccer players, and people don't really know much about. So I mean, all you really had there, you had a couple of diehard fans. You know, God bless them for for making it out and really uh, being fans of the league and, and and the sport. But let's face it, ninety percent, ninety to ninety five percent of the people that were there were coaches uh agents a ton of agents and and a few scouts from other leagues you had nasl coaches there uh obviously the cosmos were there um you had you had you know see a couple different teams but it, it's not an event for the fans and it never will be because you know what these college players don't really have that profile to attract um uh, fans to come watch uh next question comes from rc what is this news about a galaxy usl pro team well, that's been out for a while. You know, the the Galaxy are taking it to another level. Uh, while while teams are while some teams are are you know establishing affiliations with USL Pro teams, the Galaxy are are, are starting their own USL Pro team that they're going to run and they're going to stock with players. So, I mean that I, I mean as far as I know, I mean I think that's that's a big step for them, big investment, great move. I think for me, I mean, you know it. it it's much better than just sending off four of your younger players to a team that you're not that you're not you know that closely tied with. I mean, obviously, some of these teams like you know Sporting Kansas City and Orlando City, have, you know, they 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 showed to have a great relationship a year ago. But it's still you're handing your players over to another organization. What the Galaxy are doing is take cutting out the middleman, and they're just saying, listen, we have the money. This is something worth investing in. And when you think about Bruce Arena, a guy who does such a great job in the draft, the Galaxy. With the the with the um, academy system they have, and the talent that they have coming up that pipeline, this makes just it, it just makes too much sense uh, for them to do this. And I think honestly, down the road, you you want to see other teams do this. You want to see other teams make that kind of capital investment. And I know a lot of people talk about oh, you know, you have to invest in the academies, invest in academies. I agree with that, but I think this is also a smart move, and and I think it's going to pay off for the Galaxy uh, as time goes on. Uh, speaking of the Galaxy, Beer J asks, do you agree with Landon Donovan that this is the most experienced U.S. men's national team ever? What weakness, what weakness or weaknesses do you see on the team? Well, I didn't see the quote directly from Donovan. I would wonder if he said deepest team and not most experienced team. Because let's say if this was one of the quotes coming out of Brazil, you know, things get lost in translation a bit. I have, you know, I have heard Landon uh, say uh, more than one occasion that this is the deepest team, and from that standpoint, I can agree with that. I can agree that from options standpoint, uh, it could be the mo- it could be the deepest, uh, the deepest player pool the U.S. has ever had. Most experienced? No, I'm not. Get- I, no, I under by no means is this is this close to the most experienced. At the end of the day, you really only have Tim Howard, Clint, uh, Clint Dempsey. Landon Donovan as truly experienced guys. Michael Bradley has a lot of caps, uh, and he's been playing regularly since 2007, but he's played in one World Cup. Uh, all, all, you, you just have to go back to the 2002 team for a team with some experience on it. I mean, let's face it. You had Claudia Arena, You had Brad Friedel, Ernie Stewart, Eddie Lewis, uh, Eddie Pope. 
uh, Brian McBride. I mean, come on. I mean, that team, that 2000 team, aside from probably still being the most talented team, uh, it at, for me, without a doubt, was was the most experienced team. Uh, next question comes from Daniel Adams. Is the transfer of Juan Mata to Manchester United enough to help him qualify for next year's Champions League? It's a tough one, man. I don't think it's a case of them just that being the missing piece for them. I mean, hey, they, you know, for me, I still haven't figured out why Shinji Kagawa ha- ha- hasn't quite, you know, locked in there. I mean, he, he's absolutely outstanding midfielder. Was great uh, for Bruce Dortmund in the in in the Bundesliga, but he hasn't quite clicked there. I mean, at the end of the day, when you have Robin van Persie and Wayne Rooney injured, uh, is does you know is say, who who you know who's the person setting up the backups? Isn't the problem? I think it's the it's the backups. You know, Chicharito and uh, who you know he did score that that big goal in midweek. That that's a good one for them. But uh, I I don't know. I mean, Mata's a great Juan Mata, great player, great player. You know, if you can get a great player, you get a great player. But I think they have other needs. I think a center back would help. I think a, a defensive midfielder would help. But you know what? They're in desperation mode. They're pretty much trying to you know salvage the season but the way it goes right now the way the top four is looking and as much of a distance as there is now i think it's going to be tough for man you to close that gap uh in the final question comes from tyler ecu which i'm guessing stands for east carolina university uh what are the implications of sporting kansas city potentially losing chance myers as they prepare for the uh, Concacaf champions league quarterfinals well i think it's i mean it goes beyond that i mean i think it's it can have an impact for the whole year for them uh, you know, they still haven't signed him yet. I mean, from what I uh, understand, it, you know, Sporting KC has obviously made an offer. Uh, you know, Myers is, i tell you what, I mean, I've, I spoke to Chance Myers uh, after the season. Well, actually, I spoke to him after MLS Cup about this possibility, and, and he's ready to test the waters in Europe if he does, doesn't get an offer that he likes. I mean, he's a guy who he's put his years in in MLS. He, he's put his years in with Sporting Kansas City, playing out that that uh, generation Adidas contract getting to this point and really establishing himself as one of the better uh, right backs in MLS. And, 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 you know, he's been rewarded for that by being called into this uh, January camp with the U S national team uh, and Kansas city, you know, the, the thing with Kansas city is, you know, they, they have resigned quite a few of their players. I mean, they, they have quite a few of their guys locked up long-term. They, they resigned Zussi, they resigned Beasler. Um, but, you know, at a certain point, um, you know, if if Myers is asking for too much, then they're going to have to make a make a decision there and 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 decide if if they're going to just have to cut him loose, which would be unfortunate because I mean their defense, uh, it, it, their back force is such a good back four that I think that and if they've become so used to playing together that having already lost Jimmy Nielsen for 2014, you know now that he retired, I think also losing Myers would be a big blow for them and and I think it would really hurt their chances of repeating as champions. Well, Ivis, man, that wraps up the SBI Q&A. I have no questions for you, so I have the SBI Q&A is officially done for, for episode 107. Yeah, man, I think we covered all the topics, um, but, you know, it, it's funny, man. People people still asking about Josie. Is Josie going to start? Is, is he going to start in Brazil? You know what, folks? It is January. Let's not worry mm. about whether he's going to start or not, at least until May. Let's talk in May, folks. For now... Watch them. You can be frustrated. You can you can you can be worried. But you know what? When it comes to the lineup, I think you know Aaron Johansson is playing great. Look at it from that standpoint. You have at least one forward who's playing with confidence going into going toward the World Cup. I think Al- Josie Altura's got a few more months. He's got he's got some time here. And and, and I, like I said, I, I've just seen him go through so much in his career, 
and, and still do okay. And I think he's so much it's so much better player now than he was four years ago. And here's, here, that, that's the, the interesting thing, I think, when, when people look back on, you know, in 2010, going into the 2010 World Cup, it's not like he was lighting it up either. And I know Josie Altidore did not score a goal in the 2010 World Cup. But those of you who were who remember and who paid attention at that World Cup, Josie Altidore was a handful. He drew fouls left and right. He drew yellow cards left and right. He had a hand in some big goals for the U.S. So, you know what? That was him as a 19-year-old. Now he's 23. He's more mature. He's a more well-rounded player. He's Is he going through a rough patch right now? Absolutely. But I think... It's going to make him a better player. I completely agree with everything you just said right there. I mean, if he, in May he starts scoring goals, then this argument is completely a waste of time and a waste of breath. People need you're right. People need to chill out. And if you're not scoring goals, hey, Josie Altidore does a lot of other stuff to help the team out as well. He doesn't just stay up there and wait for the ball. I think yeah, I tell you what, I, one last one. I think it's honestly, I get the sense it's not just a Josie Altidore thing. I think it's a, 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 some concern about a lot of the top players on the team. Um, when you talk about Clint Dempsey and the rough time he had, coming uh, to MLS with the Sounders. You've got Michael Bradley signing with Toronto FC. So I think it's it's kind of a, a few of those things combined have some U.S. fans pretty worried and pretty nervous. And you know what? You're you're entitled. You're a fan. You're going to be emotional. You're going to be – you're going to have you, – you, you're, you're invested in this team, in this U.S. team and how this U.S. team will do in Brazil. But again, World Cup is a long way away. Give it some time. Let these guys develop. Let, let's see what happens with Altidore over these next few months. Let's see what happens with Bradley at Toronto FC. Let's see how Clint Dempsey does with a, you know, a full, uh, you know, going into a new year with his team instead of showing up midseason. I, I, you know, I'm not saying that everything's rosy and everything's perfect, but I think the, the whole pressing the panic button in January over the U S team is a little, it's a little premature. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Well, I guess, man, that wraps up the show. Any, anything else that we forgot to cover? Uh, I'm sure we, you know, we we we, we touched on quite a few. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday, and hopefully, we can start getting some some guests. Uh, you know, obviously, the coaches and players are are, are starting to report uh, for for practice. The Red Bulls will be at Red Bull Arena on Friday uh, for their first day, and uh, I'll be out there, uh, you know, for the first MLS event of uh, you know of the upcoming season, so to speak. So it's all starting, man. It's all it's all kicking back up. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll, I'll be there on Saturday too. In the, uh, in, I'm, I'm a forbid from saying a certain word, so I'll just say in the Grand Canyon <laughs> State, baby. All right, uh, all right, man. You have, you have a good night. Hopefully, I'm not sick by Sunday. So uh, you have a good weekend, man. Feel better, man. Yes, thank you. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show.